Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back once again to Game Time Sports, where it's always game time. For my co-hosts Danny Curran and John Reggio, my name is Nick Chickalese, and the nature we're coming to you live here every Monday from 5:30 to 7 here on WXVU 89.1 The Roar, or wherever and whenever you get your podcasts. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, the nature of doing a weekly show is such that you will be very late to reacting to some certain things that come through a news cycle and longtime listeners of the show know that we try to stay away from reacting to, to major news that to news that has um, since passed in such an amount of time or it's no longer timely. However, there was one story last week that uh, broke about an hour and a half after we went off the air that I would be remiss and we would be remiss if we did not comment on and that is of course uh Former Notre Dame head coach Brian Kelly, the winningest head coach in the history of the program, uh, shocking, shockingly departing the Notre Dame Fighting Irish to become the head coach at LSU. And Danny, as a lifelong Notre Dame fan, I just kind of talk me through your emotions through that process, finding out, hearing he might be leaving, finding out that, yeah, he's leaving, trying to find a new coach, and then ultimately settling on Marcus Freeman, which a hire that I know you're a huge, huge fan of. Well, the report initially came out that LSU was expressing interest in Brian Kelly right as I walked into the studio last week, so right before the show. And while I did believe that LSU was going to go after Danny, going to cut you off. That mic's not working. Just, just swing him. This isn't going to stay, I don't think. You might have to just hold it for now at least. All right. Well, um, Much better. Last week, the report that LSU was expressing interest in Brian Kelly um, first came out right before we went on air at at 5.30. So I thought that LSU was going to go after him pretty hard, but I didn't really think that Brian Kelly was ever going to leave. I thought he was just going to use LSU uh, for money purposes to get Notre Dame to pay him more. But he obviously did pull the trigger and is uh, leaving for LSU, going for a hundred million dollar contract with crazy incentives that if he makes a bowl game he gets five hundred thousand five hundred thousand dollar um raise wins a national championship he gets a five hundred thousand dollar raise every year uh, throughout the rest of his contract um so brian kelly leaving for lsu obviously shaking up the college football world um i think he's gonna have success in louisiana i don't necessarily think he's gonna lsu is gonna be the best program in the conference just because of what we've seen with Nick Saban in Alabama and Kirby Smart in Georgia. But I do think he's going to compete. I think he's going to have um, you know, significantly better players at LSU than he has at Notre Dame. Uh, he's obviously not going to have any academic restrictions at LSU like he had in South Bend. So I'm interested to see if he can, besides really the Clemson win last year, he hadn't really gotten over the hump and beaten an elite team. I'm interested to see how he competes in the SEC. But as far as Notre Dame goes, a lot of fan, pretty much the entire fan base, all former players, current players, and future players, were vouching for Marcus Freeman to become the next head coach as soon as the news broke about Brian Kelly. And from a fan perspective, I'm pretty happy. He's a young, 35-year-old uh, defensive coordinator who'd never been a head coach before, but he has a reputation of being one of the better recruiters across all of college football, who's going to bring young, relentless energy into a uh, into a living room, and hopefully he's going to be able to get a lot of four- and five-star prospects to come to South Bend. I'm anxious to see how the uh, Freeman era kicks off in the bowl game. They play Oklahoma State on New Year's Day in the Fiesta Bowl. So Brian, um, Notre Dame hasn't won a New Year's Six 
or you know big BCS major bowl game in 28 years. So Marcus Freeman has the chance to snap an almost 30-year drought uh, in his first first career coaching game. So uh, I'm excited. I wish Brian Kelly all the best at LSU. I do want to say though, I uh, before I just continue to go on and on about Brian Kelly, I do think. Uh, as you guys both know, since we started the show, i am not been the biggest fan of Brian Kelly. I have been appreciative and grateful for everything that he's done for the program, bringing them close to, you know, on the verge of winning a championship. But ultimately, I didn't think that he gave the effort required on the recruiting trail to win it all. So I ultimately wanted him gone. Um, but the Notre Dame fans are really, really stupid. And are just, <laughs> like, some of them just don't know what they're talking about. And for the people that are ripping Kelly, like how many people would have turned down a one hundred million dollar paycheck uh, to go coach to have ultra, arguably the best job in all college football? He had been at Notre Dame for twelve years, hadn't won a championship. He brought them, you know, to close to the mountaintop, and he's ready to hand the keys over to Marcus Freeman. I mean, really, like people that are saying that he should have informed the players first. And yeah, while, while I do agree with that argument, in this era of, of Twitter and Instagram, social media, the news is going to break instantly. There's nothing Kelly could have done. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think the way he handled it was much more than uh, than leaving. Like you mentioned, the race is unbelievable. But having players find out through Twitter and then holding a two-minute meeting about it and leaving. Like, yeah, uh, but I don't know how much of that was Kelly's decision. I think... Like after he had sent out the text, I think probably the president or athletic director had told Kelly, "All right, come in, say your goodbye, and then get out of here because we got to move on." And I feel like he he did that. I, I don't feel like the players themselves are holding too much of a grudge against him, and I wish him the best of luck at LSU. I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm just ex- I'm interested to see how he does because it is you know harder to I would assume it's harder to recruit to South in South Bend, Indiana than it is in. Louisiana, so Baton Baton Rouge. So um, I think he's going to get elite prospects at LSU, and I'm interested to see how he competes with the best of the best in, in Nick Saban. Yeah. Um, happy for you, Daniel, um, in that regard. But uh, also have to, we also have to uh, move on to what happened on the field on Saturday um, with some major conference championships and um, the Final Four uh, teams being the same four teams from last week. The order does shuffle, though, after Alabama's upset win, taking down Georgia, a Georgia team that was averaging under seven points per game allowed to opponents, uh, give up a 41 spot to the uh, Crimson Tide of Alabama. Uh, really just, the game really changed, uh, in my opinion, right at the end of the first half when Alabama was able to just march down the field, go into the locker room, score a touchdown, come back out, get the football, score another touchdown, and Georgia scored in the second half of 17-17 and before the offense touched the ball again they were down two touchdowns and uh, that was really the critical moment of the game some uh, turnovers for Georgia cannot turn the ball over against Bama and uh, Alabama I, I, I love this stat Alabama has been an underdog three times since 2008 three in all three of those games they have won by 19 or more points hmm. so uh if you, I think if you're given Saban points, you take the points with Saban. Yeah, that was. Uh, did you guys see his his press conference after the game about rat poison? poison? Yeah, he's like, that yeah. was yummy. It's <laughs> funny. Um, but yeah, <clears throat> Alabama. Uh, I I did think Georgia was going to win. I thought Georgia's defense was um, individually the best unit in all of college football, and Bryce Young definitely proved me wrong there. But 
the six and a half point spread, I just never understood. I, this was going to be uh, everyone that had watched college football this year should have known it was going to be game of the year. That these are two that. In my opinion, these are still the two best teams in the country. I think we're going to get a rematch on January 10th for the national championship. I think Alabama is going to handle Cincinnati, and I think Georgia is going to beat Michigan, and I think we're going to get part two in a couple weeks. But got to give Bryce Young credit. That was the performance of the year, wrapped up the Heisman Trophy. Yep. Um, I wonder if anybody said that's what would happen. But, uh, Nicholas did, yeah. Got to give Nicholas his credit. He <laughs> said in the SEC championship Bryce Young was going to. Uh, have his Heisman moments, and he definitely did. I, I've made enough wrong predictions that I'm, sooner or later I was just bound to get one right. Yeah, that was a good call by Nicholas. I had C.J. Stroud. I did not anticipate him and Ohio State struggling the way they did against Michigan. So um, you got to give a t- all the credit to Bryce Young because really Georgia's front seven did what we expected Georgia's front seven to do. They took Alabama's running game out of out of the out of the matchup for the most part. Um, they got pressure on Bryce Young. Although, I don't even know if they reported the a sack, sack, but Bryce yeah. Young was running kind of for his life for a good portion of the game, just making plays. And, I mean, that screen, the Alabama's first touchdown pass, the or not the screen, the like, the quick slant to, I don't know if that was Michi, or when he just he catches a ball, that's Odell Beckham ass, just to be, to be able to take it to the house, turn on the burners, gone, you're not touching me. That's You can't coach speed. Um, Alabama has probably the best offense in college football, uh, just because Bryce Young's the best player in college football, those receivers are unstoppable. If their offensive line and running game can get anything going, they're going to be a really tough, tough out. I don't think Georgia can beat them. If if Alabama's able to run the ball, I don't think any team in college football can beat them just because their passing attack is so dynamic. And although they don't have a Nick Saban-esque defense, their defense is still pretty solid. And I, uh, I'm excited for the playoff. Cincinnati's finally going to get their shot. Yeah. As a, I mean, really, the the, the whole group of five is going to get their shot. Sure. Yeah. We'll, um, we'll get to that. But yeah, uh, Bryce Young was not sacked once during that game, which shocked me because I, uh, Danny, you do make a good point that he was getting out the ball very quickly, and they did absolutely nothing in the run game. But you have an Auburn front seven that sacked him seven times and had him running for his life the entire game when he was not being sacked. But you have one of the best. You have the, probably the best defense in the country. They couldn't get him onto the turf once. That's shocking. And if there is a rematch, that is definitely the number one area, I think, for them to address and for them to change, uh, creating negative plays by sacking the quarterback. But, yeah, great game. Uh, before we move on to previewing the football play, the playoff, um, Decent amount of blowout. Uh, obviously, Michigan just ran over Iowa, and Cincy just ran over Houston. But the Big 12 championship game, the the first one of the day, was uh, probably was the best for sure. Oh, yeah. Coming down to about six inches sep- of uh, separating Oklahoma State um, from a Big 12 championship, but uh, a phenomenal defensive stand by Baylor defense, stopping them th- uh, four times inside the two to take home the Big 12 title. Yeah, you got to give. Baylor's defense all the credit in the world because their offense really in that second half but especially the fourth quarter just did not do anything to to help them out. Baylor's defense was on the field the entire game or the entire second half and for Oklahoma State to get the ball on the one yard line and essentially have one yard separating them from the college football playoff to be able to stand up and and stop them is that's going to go down in Baylor history books. Got to give Oklahoma State credit for hanging in tough without their their best player, their running back, who who didn't play. Um, 
but ultimately I think they turn the ball over too many times. Once again, I don't know what it is, but my Wi-Fi just is not loading, so I don't know the exact amount of turnovers, but I'm going to say their quarterback had a at least two or three interceptions, maybe with a fumble. So I think they turned the ball over like four times. I think I think uh, Oklahoma State quarterback had four picks. Four picks? Okay. I'll, I'll check. But, but um, to be able to still be in the game against a top-ten team like Baylor while you're turning the ball over like that, I had to give Oklahoma State some credit as well. But this was a, a game that came, came down to the wire, and Oklahoma State had gotten the, the better of Baylor early on in the year, so Baylor gets some revenge without their quarterback. Too. I mean, their, their, their starter quarterback got hurt against, I think, TCU or Kansas State a few weeks back. He had a nagging hamstring injury and was questionable all week, but wasn't able to go. But their backup came in and did his job, and now Baylor's going to, I think they're playing Ole Miss in the Sugar Bowl. So, Baylor, it's a good matchup. Baylor in a New Year's Six, good matchup for, for both teams, I think. Baylor's defense versus Ole Miss's offense should be a good one. Congrats to Baylor and their head coach, uh, Dave Aranda, on a great season. I don't really think many people saw Baylor finishing the year. I mean, they're going to, I would assume they're going to leapfrog Oklahoma State, Ohio yeah. State. They were going to finish, what, six or seven in the in the college ball playoff? So, uh, great season for Baylor. Great game for the teams that were kind of on the outside looking in, trying to get in the playoff. This was kind of the one game that you were expe- that you weren't expecting. Thing. Like, if you could get Baylor to beat Oklahoma State, all you're counting on is, you know, Georgia to win and then maybe one more upset. But, obviously, Georgia wasn't able to take care of business, and Cincinnati and Michigan both rolled. Yeah. Um, yeah, You. I, I, I do wonder, though, if Oklahoma State with a Big 12 uh, – uh, I wonder if a Big 12 champion Oklahoma State, if they get those last six inches, I wonder if they would have left Frog Cincy. Oh, yeah. I think the committee was doing whatever they could and to, to – make sure Cincinnati doesn't make the playoff. And they're doing it. They're in no way – I hate – as you guys know, I am not a fan of Michigan. In no way, shape, or form should Alabama be the number one team in the country right now. It doesn't make any sense. It should be Michigan. But they're because they, they're eliminating anything that we just watched throughout an entire college football season just so, so that Georgia and Alabama don't play in the semifinals, and they also want to make sure that the group of five gets shut up and they're fine. Go up against Alabama and see what yeah. – I mean – I don't know. I just the right the, the top four teams are correct, but the order they put them in, I strongly disagree with. And I think the the committee wants to make sure that Cincinnati loses by five touchdowns, so they put them up against Alabama to prove their point. Yeah. And then also they want to make sure that Georgia and Alabama don't play each other in the semis. So to, to that point, I to that point, I think this Georgia and Cincinnati game. I'm sorry, Alabama and Cincinnati game is with no hyperbole the most important game in college football of at least the last five years. Because this is the committee saying, if you if you are a group of five team, here's your shot, here's your opportunity to prove that you belong. And if Alabama runs them over, then I think that will significantly delay any pressure to expanding the playoff. Because if you're showing that the best group of, that you're arguing the best group of five team probably ever can't even compete with an SEC champion, then why do we need to bother expanding the playoff from 4 to 8 or 12? Now, on the flip side, if Cincinnati makes it a game or somehow even pulls off the upset, um, that is the clearest, most obvious argument for expansion of the playoff. And honestly, if Cincinnati somehow wins this game, which I, I want to go on record, I will gladly wear the egg on my face. You can you can come up, laugh at me, whatever. Um, this spread is 14. Um, cash out your 401k and... 
Alabama minus 14. Consider alternate spreads of minus 17, 20, 21, 25. This is not going to be a game. This is going to be a demolition. I don't care that star wide receiver Mechie uh, just tore his ACL against Georgia. This They just went up against the best defense in the country and scored 41 points. Cincinnati does not have the athletes to contain this Alabama offense and Heisman Trophy winner Bryce Young. It is This is going to be a destruction. Spread it down to 13 and a half, so it looks like people are already agreeing with you. But, yeah, I do think... I like Bama big. I think, like I, like I said, I think Cincinnati's being put in it, and the group of five in general is being put in an unfair spot here. Uh, I think Cincinnati would be able to give Michigan a game, beat them, maybe George, but Alabama, but, with the way with the way Alabama just played on Saturday, if they play anything close to that, Cincinnati doesn't really have a, a, a shot. But Cincinnati does have a good defense and a good veteran quarterback. quarterback. Uh, Luke Fickle, obviously one of the uh, young, hot head coaches in uh, in college football that everyone wants to target as the as the next, you know, Dabo Sweeney or Kirby Smart. But I just don't see it happening. I think Saban's gonna obviously have a month to prepare. His, his team's gonna be ready to play. I like Bama by two or three scores, but I'm rooting for Cincinnati. Cincinnati. I want Cincinnati to win the championship. Because I do want the the playoff to expand to twelve or fourteen teams, so I'm a big Cincinnati fan on New Year's Eve. But at the end of the day, I think Alabama moves on. Yeah. Um. And yeah, if they, I don't even think they have to win to to put a ton of pressure on the committee to expand. I I do think like, I I don't know when is it first eligible to be expanded. Is I saw like, something on Saturday that it was like 2024, but progress was being delayed. Uh, so I don't think it's going to be for another couple years, yeah. at least. Well, the the pressure of should, should Cincinnati win or even really compete, um, and having a close if it's a close game in the fourth quarter, even the pressure on the committee to expand is going to be overwhelming. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I uh, yeah, I mean Cincinnati last year was had Georgia. Cincinnati collapsed at the end of the game, or Georgia kicked a really, really long field goal. I forget exactly what it was in the Peach Bowl. But Cincinnati had them on the ropes. But I'm thinking, wow, okay, Cincinnati can't compete with the SEC. They can compete with Georgia and Kirby Smart. Why can't they compete with Saban? Then you go back thinking, did Georgia really want to be there on that game? It was Cincinnati Super Bowl, and Georgia still won. But I've been thinking about this game a lot since they they released the top four yesterday. And I really am pulling for Cincy, but... I just think Bama, they just have too much speed, too many athletes. I don't think Cincy can compete with them. And when you give Saban a month to prepare, I just, I don't know. But if Cincy were to pull off the upset, that would be, Group of Five Nation would stand up. Yeah, that, I mean, that would be that would be one of the bigger upsets in uh, college football over the past five, ten years. I yeah, absolutely. History, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, preparation for Saban is a dangerous thing. And if you need to prepare... Uh, for your, if you need to prepare for your final papers here, I need a fresh set of eyes. Look over your final draft, or maybe you haven't even started yet. You can make an appointment at the Villanova University Writing Center, We're located on the second floor of Falvey Memorial Library. The Writing Center is full of professionally trained tutors who assist Villanova, Villanova students of all majors on their writing assignments, from personal statements to thesis papers at an eddy stage in the writing process. Hours of operation are Sunday from 3:30 to 7:30, Monday through Thursday 11:30 to 7:30, and Friday from 11:30 to 3:30. Stop in or call 610-519-4604 to make an appointment today. So, yeah, I think we've covered just about everything that I uh, uh, just w- there's uh, one more obviously huge game 
in the college football regular season. Army, Navy, uh, this Saturday, 3 o'clock, I believe. Um, just uh, Navy, yeah, Navy isn't a particularly great team this year, however, but uh, any time that these two match up, it's always a great game. Uh, they combine to throw the ball about once, um, but... It's it's always it's always hard fought. It's always physical. It's always good football. Um, Army's got an opportunity to go to nine and three. Ar- yeah, Ar- like Army's a great team, but uh, this is definitely one of those rivalries you can throw the records out the window oh, yeah. when they meet. So yeah. should be a great game, like it always is, and it's always uh, such a cool event um, for for the military and just just a great 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 event. So uh, moving right along to a. Uh, Big week of the NFL, and uh, I'd actually like to start this week by talking about tonight's game. Uh, an absolutely colossal clash that we've been leading, uh, alluding to for a few weeks now. The the Bills playing host to the New England Patriots with a top slot in the AFC East on the line. And gentlemen, as of tonight, the uh, number one seed in the AFC is the New England Patriots. Um, so that is uh, not something I don't think anyone really anticipated coming into this season. But who do you guys like tonight and why? Yeah. I mean, the Patriots have been completely on fire lately, and that's you can't deny it. Everyone, everything's been coming into form. I mean, Mac Jones has been turning into a professional level quarterback, mostly from the help of Bill Belichick, and I think that's pretty hard to deny. Mm-hmm. But you're going into Buffalo, yep. and I think that's huge to huge to take into consideration. Bills Mafia knows where they are this season. I told the story of when I was in Nashville, and they travel. Now they're at home. They're having a division rival come in, and this is one of the biggest, just one of the biggest games of the season for yep. the Bills in general yeah. for both teams. This is one of the biggest games the Bills have had in, in a long. This is the, I don't think fans were allowed really, at the playoff game, the playoff games last year. Yeah. So this is the biggest game Bills fans have been allowed to attend. Yeah. In easily, forever. <laughs> um, but. This is this is a team. The Patriots are a team that have owned owned. It's true. Owned the Bills over the past twenty years. I think Tom Brady in his time there was thirty one and three. And I know that the Bills won the division last year, and I know they went to the AFC Championship game. But the Patriots were not a good team last year. So while they surpassed them, they didn't have the opportunity to slay the dragon, if you will. And now now you have this opportunity. Teams coming in, but um. Patriots are 8-4, Bills 7-4, both obviously really good teams. And I, I'm, I'm with you, John. I do like the Bills at home tonight. However, I, I will say... It will be a game, I think. It will be a game. I, I just, I'll say this. With the, this Patriots team, I th- you, you know about what you're going to get. They're one of the, as you would expect from such a well-coached team, they're one of the most consistent groups in the league week in, week out. Have a defense that will, just swarms the football, creates turnovers, creates negative plays, and you have an offense that is really rounding into form. Um, very good in the short intermediate passing game with Mac Jones, and the deep balls coming along too as they try to they try to develop some speed, and so is the running game. But you know about what you're going to get from the Patriots on a weekly basis. Yeah, and this the, Bills team yeah. is really really inconsistent. Um, while I, I do expect the Bills to win, and I do expect the, to be a close game. I would not be shocked if the Bills run him out of the stadium, and I would not be shocked if the Bills muster six points and Josh Allen throws three interceptions. So, like guys, this is um, definitely this is definitely the best Monday night game from a pre um, a pre matchup perspective so far this year. I'm really excited to watch, and uh, I do like I said, I will take the Bills tonight, but this is definitely a game where 
anything can happen. T- very tough to predict divisional games, especially with yeah. the team as inconsistent as this Bill squad. I am looking at a, cur- a tweet from Adam Schefter from 11 minutes ago, and the weather in uh, Buffalo could be characterized as prime football weather. That's all I'm going to say. It looks oh like my it's goodness. snow, sleet, wind. Let's go. Yeah, so I don't expect there to be too many points scored in tonight's game, especially with two really, really solid defenses. But I do like Buffalo. I think everyone is kind of on the Patriots train right now saying the Patriots are back. This is the start of a new era without Brady. Mac Jones is the future. They've won six in a row, number one seed, hottest team in the NFL, blah, 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 blah. And while I do not 100% buy in all that, I do think that Mac Jones is, you know, the future of the Patriots and Belichick's got that defense playing really well. I think the Bills, from a talent perspective, just have the Bills just have a lot more talent from top to bottom on the roster than the Patriots do. On the offensive side of the ball, the Patriots don't have weapons like Stephon Diggs or, or, or a running threat like Josh Allen. People don't talk about Josh Allen's legs enough. He is a humongous human being. When you are in a, a, just from watching the, the, the midseason hard knocks, the Colts' defensive meetings – when they were preparing for, for Josh Allen, it was just keep him in the pocket. Do not let him get out of the pocket. Do not let him run. So I I think the Bills' offense is going to score enough points in this kind of crappy football weather to muster a win against the Patriots and take command of the division. But it's gonna, by no means over. Yeah, by no, by no means is, is this division over, regardless. Regardless if it wins, absolutely. They, they're going to play again in a couple weeks in New England as well. And uh, they both have some uh, difficult games remaining uh, outside of uh, playing each other. The uh, Patriots have to go to Indianapolis. And um, the, I, th- I think the Bills might have the – Bills have somebody good. That they're playing? That they play besides New England. Oh, they've got Brady. Yeah, oh, yeah there you go. The Bucks. Uh, yeah, Brady next the Bucks. week. Yeah. But I do, so. think, I do think the Bills' defense is going to rise to the occasion tonight. Mac Jones, I don't think if he's, I don't think he's necessarily 100% ready to play in an environment like he's going to face tonight. This crowd is going to be up for grabs, as Nick pointed to. Bills Mafia hasn't really had an opportunity like this in a long time because when we were sophomores, they were all right. They were a wild card, but they weren't really like you know one of the legitimate Super Bowl contenders up until last year when obviously COVID took over. So I'm anxious to see. What the uh, what the crowd is like in Buffalo tonight, and I think the Bills come out on top, 21-17, uh, low scoring game. I think there's going to be a couple turnovers. Ball security is going to be a, a point of emphasis for both teams. Got to take care of the football in a, in a game like this with weather conditions like this. And yeah, I think I think Buffalo comes out in a close one. And then going back to Foxborough in a couple weeks, Patrick's going to have op- an opportunity to uh, get some revenge and take over this division again yeah one thing i want to think about is mac jones i don't know if he's ever played in weather like this because he's from he's a florida guy he played at bama yeah so and he this is obviously his first year in the nfl and he hasn't seen an nfl winter yet yeah Yeah, that's a great point um but the weather hasn't been this bad but like he he has played home games in new england in november like it's not warm (laughs) that's true but yeah daddy to your point about environment though like in terms of physical environment, I agree. But in terms of atmosphere, this kid played road games in the SEC. Even pre-COVID in 2019, I know Tua was a starter, but he got time when Tua was hurt. So he 
Kind of. I mean, he played in one game against Auburn through two pick sixes. I don't know. Like, in, last in, in year. In 2019? Oh, yeah, he played. No, tw- not 20, 2019. He, he. Tua got hurt at the end of the I'm talking, I guess, yeah. 2019, he played in, he appeared 11 games through 141 passes for 14 touchdowns and three interceptions. I think, I think he, I think. He legitimately started like two or three of those. I think he started the bowl game against Michigan, and then the Iron Bowl against Auburn, and then I think there was Tua got carted off against Mississippi State. Remember that? So I think there was, I think Jones started in two or three games, but he has not faced. A, this will be the toughest environment he has ever played in, because just with the with the, with the weather on top of the fans. True. For a young rookie quarterback playing against an NFL defense, it's going to be tough. I do agree with you. Playing in the SEC is the crowd is definitely louder in college football than it is in the NFL. Stadiums are bigger, but tonight's going to be a big test for Mac Jones. And I think he's going to. I think he's he's going to have. I think he's going to pass it with flying colors because I think Mac is. Uh, I'm not comparing him by any means to Tom Brady, but I feel like they have similar attributes where. Not the best athlete in the world. Don't have the best arm, but they're smart. Going to take care of the football. They're the Bill Belichick type quarterback that you want. Some guy that's going to come in and work every day, listen to you, take care of the football, be a leader of your team. I think Belichick's found that in Mac Jones. And I think he's going to come in tonight, play well, take care of the ball. I think if there's someone you got to worry about with turnovers, I would worry more about Josh Allen than, than Mac Jones. But... I think Villanova defense, University's uh, WXVU Villanova. Top of the hour, time for station at 8. WXVU.Villanova.edu on air at 89.1 on your FM dial or stream us anytime, anywhere on the Radio FX app. This is Father Peter, and you're listening to V891 The Roar. The Business and Entertainment Society is dedicated to teaching students the various aspects of the entertainment field related to music, movies, TV, and sports. The Business and Entertainment Society brings various speakers on campus to talk to Villanova students about real-life situations in the entertainment industry. Contact Professor Fiorenza at david.fiorenza at villanova.edu for more information. Sorry about that. A uh, little little technical issue there. Made the ad uh, play over, but uh, we're doing fine. Um, yeah, I think we're, we're all taking the bills. Very very dangerous when the three of us all agree on something. Very <laughs> yeah. very dangerous. Um, but yeah, just uh, looking back at this past week, uh, one game I definitely want to talk about is the Ravens Steelers game that um, Jim Harbaugh this year in the Ravens. They they've been going for it a lot. Then they've been making a lot of really bold calls in terms of games. One example that stands out, week two, going for it uh, in their own territory against the Chiefs, trying to keep the ball away from Patrick Mahomes. Maybe maybe it was like midfield. But they would it would have given the Chiefs great field position, and they got it. And it's been something they've been doing all year, being really aggressive. And this is the first time that it's really burned them, uh, obviously losing the game, going for two and a win on the road. And uh, I, I get it. Their their mantra is their and their whole mon- mindset is, we are the better football team. You one play for three yards, you can't stop us. But with that said, if that game went to overtime, they have all the momentum and they're the better team. I know they're on the road, but I really would have liked their chances to win if they had taken that to overtime. Much better kicker, and I, 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 I don't agree with that decision against a clearly inferior opponent. Uh. I like it. I mean, it was a good play call, and if Lamar Jackson just puts a little more air under that ball, then the rate he, Mark Andrews is able to 
corral that pass, and I think the Ravens win. But to your point, they do have I, – I do think they're the better team. They have the better kicker. But I don't think Harbaugh wanted to, to let that let a coin toss potentially decide that game because the Steelers get the ball first and are able to march it down and score a touchdown, obviously the game's over. If they are able to go down and kick a field goal and puts the pressure on the Ravens to score, the game ends. Harbaugh is a very aggressive head coach. This is nothing new, as you said, that we've seen this year going forward on fourth down. So I don't mind the call. And I think the, the, the actual play call was great. Just poor execution on Lamar's from uh, Lamar's perspective. But uh, Steelers effectively kept their season alive with that win. I think the Ravens are had their eyes set, set on the number one overall seed in the AFC while the Steelers were just trying to find a way to, to, to make the playoffs. So the Steelers had everything to play for. A classic rivalry, arguably outside of, you know, Cowboys, Giants, Bears, Packers, whatever. It's probably the best rivalry in all fo- all of the NFL. Um, we knew it was going to be a, a hard-nosed, physical, low-scoring defensive battle. That's exactly what we got. Got to give credit to the Steelers. Big Ben actually looked pretty good mm-hmm. um, for one of the first times all season. Yeah. <laughs> and exactly. Najee Harris, though, he is going to be a running a, – if, if they don't – Mess up his volume, and because I feel yeah, like they were starting to kind of see a Derrick Henry uh, comparison with the as, as, it, as it relates to his carries. Like he's getting the ball so much. Like going into this week, he was leading the NFL in touches as a rookie. He's yeah. only gonna that 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 gap that he has over the rest of the NFL is only gonna get bigger. I think Najee Harris is gonna be one one of the better backs in the NFL for years to come. But I'm just warning the Steelers now: do not, you cannot give him the ball as much as you are right now because you will wear him down. He got in a ton at Alabama, playing in the SEC, coming in rookie rookie in the NFL. He's gonna lead the NFL in touches. Just make sure you don't just monitor his carries, Steelers. That's all I'm saying. I, I that hurdle against Notre Dame is still one of the best things I've ever seen on a football field. Just he. Oh, yeah. he, he he, 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 the guy was like standing, and he <laughs> cleared him. But yeah, exactly. Definitely agree that he's going to be a special talent for a long time to come. Uh, a concerning issue for the Ravens, in my opinion, uh, Lamar has really struggled throwing the football these last four he's weeks. He's turning the ball over. He's turned. He's had eight interceptions over his past four games. Mm-hmm. Um, he hasn't thrown for more than three hundred yards since that uh, dramatic overtime win on Monday Night Football against the Colts. Uh, about two months ago, um, was really bad, really, really bad uh, two weeks ago against the Browns, but they found a way to win the game, so credit to the, credit to the team there. And uh, the, the injuries just keep piling up for this Ravens team. I, I, I know we mentioned every week, but it feels like they have a new major injury every week. Just uh, Marlon Humphrey, torn ACL, done for the year, uh, the, their star cornerback. So it's – I just – I think if the Ravens are going to make a deep playoff run, and they're certainly capable, despite the injuries. Lamar is going to have to step up his play. Um, right now, he's not losing them games, but he has to start winning them games. And right now, he is not, uh, since that masterful performance against the Colts, he is not winning them any games. Yeah. I think he can honestly be argued right now that he is kind of losing them the games. Because just if you look over their past few games, the defense is there. Like it, the, the Ravens' defense is there every year, and since their since their Super Bowl uh, way back when, it's just kind of been a question of you know putting up enough offense to kind of match it. And we see these past couple of games, the Steelers. I mean, you only held them to twenty points, and seventeen of those points came in the fourth quarter. So 
you know, the first three quarters of the game were pristine. Like, you can't ask for much more out of a defense. Browns, he held a 10. Bears, he held a 13. Dolphins put up 22, but, you know, the Dolphins are getting hot. And, you know, they've just been serviceable. But the Ravens, in the, in the same amount, in the same stretch, I mean, they've put up on offense 16 points, 16 points, 19 points. Like, that's not going to win you the game. Those are the type of points that the Jets are putting up in these in the past couple of weeks. You saw against the Eagles. So, coming down the stretch, I think that this was a huge game for the Ravens against the Steelers here. The difference between 9-3 and three right now and 8-4 and four is, I think, astronomical. Just because if you look at the Ravens' upcoming schedule, they've got the Browns again, who they almost lost to, even though they're kind of in a free fall. Uh, they got the Green Bay Packers, Cincinnati Bengals, the LA Rams, and you got the Steelers again. So if you were to lose these next four in a row, which I think could happen, you're going to be sitting at what eight and eight, eight and eight, eight and eight. And the difference between, you know, they'll be eight. They could be eight and eight. And four weeks in the past, they were sitting at the number one seed overall in the AFC. Yep. So uh, I, I'm not against going for two there, just because you. I think you can win the game. Like Danny said, I agree. It was a pretty good play call, but you got to convert. And yep. they had options. I mean, they had opportunities throughout the whole game, and you can't really put it on that the one play in the end. I, I, yeah. I mean, like, I, like I said, I don't hate it. Like their entire thing has been like, like, full, like to to borrow your co- coach Robert Salas' quote, their entire yep. offensive mindset this year is all gas, no breaks. But. The, the breaks are there for a reason. Stop, think about it, use your head for a second. And like you've seen stories historically, like over, since the Raven, since Lamar Jackson has emerged as in his MVP year, like Harbaugh will ask him, "Do you want to go for it?" And pretty much every time, Lamar saying yes, yeah. and then they go for it. I just, I, I, I just like to see a little more discretion. And I think it finally came back to bite him uh, yesterday. I just want to go back to a point that you brought up a few minutes ago. I was unaware that Marlon Humphreys that he's been ruled officially done for the year. That is a humongous yep. loss for the Ravens. I don't think people realize, like, Marlon Humphrey's one of the best defensive players in all of football. He's the heart and soul of that defense. That is a huge... Like, while losing all these other pieces throughout the year, Marcus Peters, the, the offensive line, running backs, has been detrimental to their season. This, I would argue, is, has, is the biggest loss. That He is the heartbeat, their captain, leader of their defense... This, I could see, I'm just now looking at their schedule. These next four games, as you guys talked about, are very tough. I could see injuries catching up with this Ravens team, which is sad because just a few short weeks ago we were talking about them as a potential favorite in the AFC. But going to Cleveland next week, Green Bay at home at Cincy, the Rams, and then to close out with with Pittsburgh at home, that is a tough last five games down your season. And when you think about it, the Ravens are – Eight and four, and they've pretty much been in a like the Lions game. They needed Justin Tucker to kick a sixty-six yard field goal to beat them. The Chiefs they needed the Chiefs to cough up the ball and then at the end of the game win by one. The Raiders that game obviously they lost that one. They, the opening opening Monday night game it came down to the wire in overtime. You look at the comeback against the Colts on on uh, on Monday night. The Ravens have been. <laughs> Playing with fire, fire yeah. A lot. The the overtime went over the Vikings. Yeah, I, I mean, mean you have you have like two boring games in in, in the their Bears wins. game. Yeah, like, and they have two wins by more than one possession, and like the they beat Denver pretty soundly, and then they ran over the Chargers. You got to give credit to John Harbaugh though, because good coaches find ways to win close games. They do, and they have. Yeah. They're overcoming these injuries, and I'm rooting for the Ravens to make yep. the playoffs. I think 
I think they got to get. They're at eight wins now. I think they get to ten. They're in ten and seven yeah, would be enough. Ten seven, sure. Yeah, th- this Sunday, um, the Ravens. Ever since they moved back to Baltimore, have owned the Browns. Oh, yeah. I owned moved to Baltimore. I should say, have owned the new Browns, and uh, this is an absolute must win for both. In my opinion, Browns coming off of a bye week. Browns coming off of a bye week. Just their last game was against the Ravens, a loss in yeah. Baltimore. Then that ug- ugly Sunday night game. I would and, expect another low-scoring affair. Yeah, I, so would I. And it, like a, like we mentioned, an absolute must-win game for both teams. Um, I know the Ravens at 8-4 doesn't seem that desperate yet, but playing the Packers out next in Cincinnati, a team that destroyed you in your home stadium, and playing the Rams after that. So, Like John mentioned, that could easily be 0-4. So this is uh, – I, I don't want to say this is their best chance out of the four games – but I think it's the game they should like definitely win of the four. Yeah. Um, so. AFC North this year. Is AFC like North is ridiculous. Every team right now is five hundred or better. Like it's like you think one team's getting hot, you think the Bengals are the, the team to beat, and then yesterday. I yeah, I give up on prognosticating both the Chargers and the Bengals the rest of the season because I I I think any given week that team one of those teams could show up and beat the brakes off the Bucks or lose by ten to, to the Texans. Um, and like they're just they're that inconsistent. Uh, <laughs> those are the two most inconsistent teams in the NFL playing each other. And I, I, I the the Chargers. It just I, I can't predict, but it really I don't know. It kind of feels like the Bengals only show up every other week. Like, did, did you guys see what happened to, to Joe Burrow's pinky? Yeah, it was like, hand? It looked disgusting. But I think he's gonna be fine. But, yeah, yeah, I agree, Nicholas. The Bengals are. They're a young team, young quarterback, young roster, young head coach. I feel like they're learning how to win in the NFL. Just, I feel like they could squeak their way into the playoffs this year, but I think the Bengals are a team that is a year or two away from being a perennial AFC championship contender in that conference because they have the pieces there. They just need need a little more time to gel. Yeah, and again, another, another AFC North team with a ridiculous schedule to close out the year. You get the, nine, the resurgent Niner team this week at the Broncos – Hosting the Ravens versus the Chiefs and at the Browns, so just and that's the Bengals. That's the Bengals five, five yeah. Man. So th- th- there is there are going to be some broken hearts in the AFC North with uh, some good teams, at least a good a decent team or two, not going to be making the playoffs from the AFC North. Um. Yeah, I agree. I think I think if the Browns lose this week, what are they? They fall back to five hundred or the, they're six. six and they'd seven, be six yeah. and seven. They'd, they'd be, be six and seven. I think that's the nail in the coffin. Yep. They need this win. This is this is their season. They're coming off a bye week, right? Bye week. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So maybe they can. Turn, they just turn played. I like the Browns in that one. I think the Ravens are in trouble. Which yeah. I hate to say because I like I really like Lamar and. I've been rooting for them all year, but yeah, and you got to assume the Browns are going to be at least a little healthier this game because oh, yeah. the past oh, yeah. however many weeks they've always been missing yeah. one of their key pieces. But I, you know, but with that said, I don't know if Lamar's going to throw four picks again. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Three in like two minutes or, yeah, I, or four yeah, minutes. Like, listen, I know you're beat up, but if you if you for if you turn the opposing quarterback over four times, you got to find a way to win the game. Yeah. Um. Just yeah, just uh, not great. And uh, you have uh, just two teams I quickly want to mention uh, who have really turned their seasons around. 
are the suddenly resurgent Miami Dolphins, winners of five in a row, and the resurgent Washington football team, who's not who won't blow you away with their style of play, but they've won four in a row, and they're they're just finding ways to win football games. Uh, they have not won the their biggest win of the year by points was ten against the Bucks, and that was a game where they uh, they just had the ball basically the entire fourth quarter and punched it in with like a minute left to just end the game. So they've basically essentially only been playing one possession yeah. games in their wins. The football team's point differential is negative fifty right now. Yeah, they're six and six. Yeah, yeah. blown out by the Bills, blown out by the Chiefs. Um, yeah, but Ron Rivera, he's a good coach. Yeah, he's, so Ron's a great coach. Yeah, he'll beat the teams that, you, that and, they need uh, to beat. All of a sudden, um, didn't think we'd be saying this, but they have the Cowboys twice to finish the they. They finished the year with five straight division games. They played the Giants week two, but the remaining five division games are the remaining five games. Ver- hosting the Cowboys in Philly, in Dallas, versus the Eagle hosting the Eagles and at MetLife. So, I, I mean, I, I think the Cowboys are a much better team, but the opportunity for Washington to come try and sneak and steal this division is very much there. It's They very much control their own destiny. In terms of the NFC East, and I, I don't think they have the talent to finish the season on a nine-game win streak, which is what that would be. But um, uh, if they beat they the Cow- they have the Cowboys this week, and if they win that game, I think there's much more pressure on Dallas than Washington. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. But just watching the end of that Raiders uh, <clears throat> football team game yesterday. I just really don't want to see the football team in the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> like, uh, last year was enough. Taylor Heineke, great story, but I'm just like, come on, Raiders, please win this game. So I started. Lo- I was like, oh my gosh, they're actually five and six. If they win, they're 500. This is gross. I don't want to see that. I'd much rather see the 49ers, who I, I've, I was upset they lost yesterday, but I think 49ers have from top to bottom one of the best rosters in all football. The Seahawks had a 73-yard. Fake punt for a touchdown. Jimmy Garoppolo turned the ball over, I think, three times. 49ers beat themselves. If the 49ers get in the playoffs, you do not want to see them under any circumstances. They have an elite defensive line, arguably the best running game in all of football. They, uh, you don't want to see them. At the line of scrimmage, when the weather gets cold, and I get it, it's not cold in San Francisco, but they're not going to be playing there in the playoffs, you do not want to see them. I would try to stay away from the Niners at all costs. But congrats to the Seahawks and Russell Wilson for finally breaking that losing streak. Yeah. But I want to and, see the Niners or no Panthers. Not, no, no, Panthers, Panthers no, no Panthers. No Panthers. No Panthers. I will see that. I will watch the Niners, <laughs> Niners, Niners. No Panthers. Niners, Vikings, or you guys yeah. probably don't. I, I wouldn't mind seeing the Eagles, but I just will not watch the football team. Uh, the Eagles at least have a big fan base, and there will be a tension around the game. And I do like Jalen Hurts. I, I wouldn't mind seeing that. I will not. I refuse to watch the football team in the playoffs. Yeah, uh, I do not want the Eagles to make it for obvious reasons. But speaking of snapping long losing streaks, it is finally over. The Detroit Lions have won a football game. Jared Goff, in his 19th try without Sean McVay, has come earned his first <laughs> NFL victory in those circumstances, improving to 117 and 1. The Detroit Lions in the two-minute drill marching down against the Minnesota defense, scoring the game-winning touchdown on the last play of the game. Daniel, this has uh, been a team that has really uh, obviously struggled quite a bit, a team that's really been uh, 
sniffing their first win and losing some absolute heartbreakers. Uh, what does it mean to you as a long-suffering fan to to finally put one in the win column? It was awesome. I was today or uh, yesterday was when I was looking at the schedule. I was thinking we've got tomorrow against a very banged up Minnesota team. We got Atlanta in a couple weeks, and then maybe the Packers uh, F team weeks 18 when they have already clinched the one seed. That's what I was thinking were the only three chances of getting a win. And I really didn't want to go winless. So yesterday, up 20-6 to six at half, come out in the second half, get the ball, three and out. Vikings go down, go pretty much right down the field, but Lions end up, defense plays hard, hold them to a field goal. Lions get the ball back, three and out. I'm like, okay, this is... I've seen this movie I've before. I've seen this so many times. They're going to lose this game. Because you're up 20 to 6, getting the ball, going to the locker room, you have a chance to put the nail in the coffin, you come out and go 3 and out twice. I'm like, this is Lions football, this is what I've watched for my life. They are going to lose this game. Vikings score a touchdown to take the lead, and I'm like, Jared Goff, the guy who has infuriated me all season, I'm relying on him to go down the field, two minutes real, no timeouts, throwing to Villanova caliber wide receivers. This is this is a disaster. <laughs> Our number one offensive playmaker, DeAndre Swift, is hurt. We're screwed. We're losing this game. I had already accepted defeat. Then somehow the Vikings went into somewhat of a prevent defense, and the Lions just methodically were throwing. Check down, dunks, check down, check down, check down. Getting out of bounds, which was big to, to save the clock. Fourth and two from about, what was it, the 11-yard line. One play for the rest of our lives. The Vikings, for whatever reason, do not defend the goal line. Amon Ross St. Brown slips into the end zone, turns around, Goff finds him. Tutty, everyone's going crazy. I was waiting for the review. Saw that he caught it, and then state of euphoria as Nicholas runs into my room. Yeah, it was it was awesome. I'm happy they won. Not going uh, winless, and still likely going to get the number one pick. But I do want to win as many games as possible. I want to win out. I want to get, I want to get a win, winning culture. Congrats to Dan Campbell. I know how much it meant to him. And Jared Goff was getting a lot of criticism uh, through the Detroit media, and you know credit to them. They 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 battled all year found a way to get a win, and I get it, the Vikings were banged up on defense and didn't have Dalvin Cook, but the Vikings are right in the thick of things in the in the NFC playoff race, so they needed this game, yep. and the Lions found a way to win, so congrats to them, I'm very happy, got the, the, the monkey off my back, I don't really know how many non-Lions or Vikings fans are watching the game, but it was a pretty entertaining <laughs> I, finish. I think the entire NFL fan base was just like, come on, they deserve one. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they would have been... One of the best worst teams ever, I think, yeah. just talent wise. If they were to go, I mean, well, they don't really have talent. It's just they play hard. Yeah, they, I mean, they play hard. Penny Pasta, uh, he's yeah. been good on the old line. Pretty good. Yeah, the Lions, the Lions defense is. Scr- I I like the future of the Lions defense because they do not have a lot of talent, but I really like their defensive coordinator, and they they they've gone sixty minutes playing as hard as you can all year. That's all you can ask for, and their offense has just been so so limited. They just have no wide receivers. As much as I hate drafting wide receivers high in the draft, that needs to be a priority. You got to get some help. You got to get. I hope it's not Goff next year, but whoever your quarterback is, you got to get him some help. You got to get him some weapons to throw the ball to outside of T.J. Hawkinson. But and probably our viewers don't want to hear a lot about the Lions. But we got the one win. It was a good win. Got Denver this week. Let's try to make it two in a row. <laughs> Yeah, I want to say that for, from a Vikings fan perspective, because my roommate is a Vikings fan, I think this might be the nail in the coffin for their yeah. season. I oh, thought, my God. <laughs> honestly, the whole season, I thought they were just on the fringe. Like, they were losing games, plenty of games, by like one or two points, easily one possession. But now, I mean, they Dalvin Cook is out for the year. You just lost uh, Adam Thielen. Like, he's definitely out next week, and who knows after that. So, good season, Vikings. Yeah. Uh, 
What, one thing that I do have to say about the Vikings is I said this at the beginning of the year, before the season started, it would only be a matter of time until Justin Jefferson is in the legitimate conversation for the best wide receiver on planet Earth. It is that time. Yes. He, need, he needs to be in that conversation. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely so monster day good. yesterday. Oh, my goodness. Like, the Lions uh, corner who they put him put in a one-on-one matchup, Amani Warrior, was graded by Pro Football Focus as one of the top corners in all football, and he torched him. There's not a single corner in all football that can cover Justin Jefferson one-on-one. And Adam Thielen went down early in the game, so it was pretty much Jefferson and Kirk Cousins just going out and playing catch with no Dalvin Cook, and the Lions could not <laughs> stop it. Yeah. Justin Jefferson is a stud, and he's going to be an all-pro for 10 years to come. Yeah, uh, Jefferson, 11 catches, 182 yards, and a touchdown. Um, yeah, Tyler Conklin, uh, the oh, tight yeah, end also. <laughs> like That was their number two option in the receiving game yeah. for, the, for the entire game, basically, with Thielen getting hurt on his like second uh, second target. Yeah. That was, uh, that was a big loss for the uh, for the Vikings, which yeah. proved. Uh, yeah, the Vikings desperately needed that one. As we've mentioned, the NFC um, final spot is wide open, but you got to you got to win games. And I th- I honestly think whether or not they make the playoffs, I think Zimmer's Mike Zimmer's gone. gone. Yep. Uh, that that roster has too much talent to be losing to the Lions. But, yeah, I mean, if you look at their last six weeks, they're two and four. Lose a brutal game to the Cowboys. Lose a brutal game to the Ravens. Beat the Chargers. Beat the Packers. Lose in San Francisco, and then you just you just lost on the last play to the Detroit Lions. Um, and now, congrats! You get to play the Rams and the Packers before the season ends. Um, do get the Bears twice. Absolutely have to win both of those games to have any shot. And then just try and steal a couple wins against the Steelers, Rams, and Packers. So I don't know if I, I'm not going to like sign their death certificate yet, but. Oh my goodness! Um, what a terrible loss for yeah, the playoffs. Yeah, I think they got to get to probably. I think eight wins gives you a shot in the NFC. Eight and nine. Yeah. So they have five right now. I think you got, obviously got to beat the Bears both both times. Get to seven, and then you got to win one of the yeah. the three. Yeah, that's probably what you just. said. That's what I just said. Yeah, but <laughs> get, to, get to eight nine. Eight nine, you got a shot. I think nine and eight, you're in. Okay. Yep. But yeah, this was a uh, after beating the Packers. Two weeks back at home, you kind of thought the Vikings were going to get going. Two tough losses, so Niners and Lions. Follow that, follow up the uh, Packers' big win. But, yeah, Zimmer's gone, I think, regardless if they make the playoffs. They just got too many good players to be struggling this much. I agree. Seven. I agree. Um, yeah, uh, I, I think that's just about uh, anything else you guys want to talk about with the NFL this week uh, before we move on. Um. Uh, I don't think. I think there's a there's a few decent games to look out for next week. Yeah, uh, Rams. We were hinting at it. I mean, Cowboys, Washington. Cowboys, got Washington. That. Definitely keep your eye Ravens, on that. Browns is huge. Ra- Rams, Cardinals um, on Monday night in the yep. desert. Yep. Um, we'll talk about that. Cardinals. Next week, yeah. Well, if we're on next week, yeah, probably uh, though. We'll see. Just one quick turnaround to this past week. I was just thinking about this. Today, the Chiefs have turned their season around, but they're turning around on the defensive side, side of football. football. Yeah, their exactly. offense is yet to wake. Like Mahomes and that offense, there's something off, and I don't know what it is because their defense is playing really well and has been the catalyst of their uh, their, their turnaround. Yeah. But Mahomes and that offense, they're not clicking, and I just have a sneaking suspicion that in the playoffs, they, they 
really have intentions of winning the Super Bowl, they're going to get into a game where they're going to need to score because their defense isn't going to be able to hold up like this throughout the rest of the year. Yep. And there's something off. And it's not injury-related because I think their offensive line's healthy. They got Clyde Edwards-Elair. They got Ty Hill. They got Travis Kelsey. They got Mahomes. There's something off, and yep. I can't put a finger on it. Yeah. Um, and they, they comp- after the Bucks really exposed their line, which, granted, was very injured in the Super Bowl, they really they committed a lot to upgrading it and have not – that offensive line has not played particularly well. And to your great point, Danny, uh, in their five-game win streak – they haven't given up more than 17, and that was uh, to my New York football Giants. Uh, so, uh, and I, I just while we're talking about this, I know the Giants aren't doing anything this year anymore. Um, the loss against the Dolphins really sealed their fate, and uh, Daniel Jones likely to miss uh, this game against the Chargers as well. Uh, Mike Lennon should not be a professional quarterback. <laughs> um, watching him attempt to throw the football for 60 minutes uh, this Sunday was pure torture. Looks like a sloth. Uh, it looks like a slot. He really does. But I just want to say, after a really bad start to the year, the, this Giants defense has really turned it around. Uh, was one of the best units in the NFL last year. Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator, got a lot of head coach looks in the offseason after the Giants season last year, but uh, received a lot of criticism at the start of the season. But uh, in their past six games, um, only uh, given up three seven uh, three twenty sixteen. Uh, they gave up thirty to the Bucks, but it's the Bucks on the road. Uh, gave up seven against the Eagles and twenty against the Dolphins when they were really put in a tough spot over and over and over again. Uh, just Giants offense couldn't stay on the field. So uh, their defense has really turned it around. I hope it's something that they can try and carry to next year when they have a new general manager and uh, some significant roster changes. But uh, the defense has played well. Can I just give one quick hot take before we move on from the NFL? Absolutely. Easily. We love it's those. It's a very, very hot take, but just bear with me. I think the Colts are going to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. Ooh. Okay. Let me hear it. I just think they're one of the more complete teams, if not the most complete team in all of football, who have just failed to win close games. Since they're 7-6, and six, if you go back, I mean, last week they had – the defending Super Bowl champs, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, on the ropes, up by 14 points, going into the second half, and then you just decide to run the or uh, throw the ball 26 consecutive times. I get it, the Bucs have a great run defense, but I don't understand what we're doing there. Then you lose. Carson Wentz has his kind of stereotypical Carson Wentz, normal turnovers uh, that cost you in a 34-31 overtime loss at home in which you once again had a 14-point lead against the Tennessee Titans. You guys both know the colossal collapse in Baltimore on Monday night. 31-25 overtime loss. Those are three games that you just should be winning. You go from 7-6 to 10-3. Looking at their schedule, they have opportunities to prove themselves as one of the best teams in the league as they have next week. New England at home, two weeks, going to Arizona on the road. I think the Colts squeak in the playoffs. They can run, as you guys both know, they have one of the best rushing attacks in all of football with a great offensive line. Or when the weather gets cold, if they have to go to a Buffalo or a Kansas City or New England in the playoffs, I will take the Colts running game over all three of those. They have a great defense. Carson Wentz, although he does get a lot of criticism for being too loose with the ball, turning the ball over too much, he is having a great year and he is making plays. I do agree there's way too many times where he just makes head-scratching mistakes where he's turning the ball over, you know, in his own end zone, taking sacks, just tossing the ball up, kind of like we've seen Stafford do over the past couple weeks, throwing pick sixes. 
not good. But if he can limit his turnovers, I really and truly think you do not want to see any part of this Indianapolis Colts team. They, they, they can run the ball. They can play defense. That's how you win Super Bowls in the cold weather. I, uh, I like the Colts. I don't. In just the AFC's wide open. I mean, you don't know who's going to win the AFC East, either the, the Pats or, or Bills. And then I can that that Marlon Humphrey injury is really making me rethink my Ravens pick. The Bengals are too young and inconsistent. And then I just, as I've made it clear, I am in no way, shape, or form high in the Tennessee Titans. I think they're falling apart, one and done. I'm really hoping the Colts can somehow win that division. And then I just don't, I don't, I, I was giving the Chiefs a chance last night to kind of wake up against good defense and explode offensively. And they just haven't done it. There's something off of that offense, and I just don't see them clicking and getting back to form before the playoffs start. I like the Colts. Um, yeah, that's a fiery take, Danny. And if uh, you're someone who really enjoys fire, the Longwood Christmas exhibit at Longwood Gardens begins this Friday and runs through January 9th. This year, they showcase the contrast of fire and ice with displays both indoors and outdoors. Longwood Christmas is available to view daily. For ticketing information, visit longwoodgardens.org and stay tuned right here at WXVU for a chance to win tickets. Danny, I really like that take. I really, uh, I think you're exactly right about how complete this team is. And I would agree with you, but for one issue. What is that issue? Yesterday, Gardner Minshew, sixth round pick, backup quarterback for the Eagles, travels, does not play a good team. Sorry, John. Does not play a good team, plays a Jets defense, plays very well. In that game, Gardner Minshew had a better QBR than Carson Wentz ever had in any game in his Eagles career, even in his supposed MVP year. And that is the man that is going to keep the Colts from achieving in this postseason. And it's what happened to them last year, too. Uh, Phillip Rivers, uh, one of my favorite quarterbacks to watch growing up, was, was just old and what, it was it was so sad. Anytime they tried to try and chuck the ball deep, they had to sub in Jacoby Brissett. <laughs> and, like, they're telling our defenses when you put Jacoby Brissett in, deep, uh, deep shot is coming, play prevent, uh, cover three. But it's uh, that's what held them back last year. Um, I, my hot take, I guess, I, I don't even know. If this, this might be a hotter take than Daniels, but if Andrew Luck hadn't retired, I think – between the past two seasons and this season, I think the Colts would have one Super Bowl. Hmm. He was that good. He was his comeback year, his last year. Um, they upset the Texans on the road in the playoffs, and then they lose close one of the event to the. Um, <laughs> they lose a close one of the Chiefs um, in the the that was the the year the Chiefs lost to the Patriots uh, in the playoffs. But I think he threw for forty eight touchdowns in his last season. And he was he was playing as good as any quarterback in the league. I think if he stayed, the team has been a quarterback away since his retirement. I I really I know Carson Wentz's numbers have been a lot better this year, certainly than they were last year, and they've largely been an improvement over Phillip Rivers. But he he like I I just think his ceiling is really not that high, and I think his floor is so low. I just think he gets a lot of unfair criticism. Um, I think he's obviously had some issues with turnovers, but he's a flat-out playmaker, and I think I think that's what you need uh, in the play. I mean, if you can complement Jonathan Taylor in, in that terrific running game with someone who, and Carson Wentz, who I feel like has a, a very underrated arm. He's a great talent. He can run. He can throw. I like him. I've always been high on him ever since he had that devastating um, torn ACL. 
when he was the MVP frontrunner, people just have said that he hasn't been the same once just because he hasn't been on great teams. But I really do feel that him reuniting with his former offensive coordinator in Philadelphia, head coach now the Colts, Frank Wright, I feel like that uh, reunion has sparked Carson Wentz 2.0. And I think he's having a great year. And I just don't. I don't, I don't see any team that wants any part of the Colts. I think the AFC's weak this year. I don't see any dominant team. And I think if, if they do find a way into the playoffs, I'm I'm taking the Colts. Yeah, I, I, I like that team, but I, I just like, – this is a team that they have a really good defense and they can run the ball really well. And obviously this is not all Wentz, but, like, that's the recipe for if you have a lead, like, game over. And they have not been able to hold leads. Yeah. And that's another. That's that's. I could, I could see them making noise in the playoffs. But I could see even more clearly is them jumping out to a, a two possession lead on the road against like a, a Chiefs or a Bills or a Patriots and like scaring them and then collapsing and losing the game. I like. I think that is very likely. But where Wentz turns the ball over and he <laughs> Wentz turns up. the ball over and then all of a sudden they can't get the ground game going and defense gives up a chunk play. And just, I, it's, yeah. Anyway, uh, moving on uh, from the NFL. I uh, just want to, breaking news announcement in college football. The four Heisman finalists are C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan, and. um, Walker? uh, No, not Kenneth Walker. uh, Pickett from Pittsburgh. Kenneth Walker wasn't even a finalist? Yeah. Wow. That, That seems wrong. Yeah. I, I, that was my initial reaction. I don't know if you saw my jaw dropped when I <laughs> when Walker was left off. But Kenny Pickett, I want him to be the next quarterback of the Lions, so I'm all for it. Yeah, he had a great performance. His fake slide. The people yeah. were giving yeah, him was, ripping yeah, that, was, that was so smart. I, but when I was on ESPN like looking up some of these stats, I got a banner ad that said Kenny Pickett for Heisman. Like, like just like, that's like the thing they're advertising. Very, <laughs> very strange. But I, I'm sorry. Um, Kenneth Walker... Absolutely ran circles around a Michigan defense with a projected uh, top five pick, top ten pick in the. Uh, by the way, Todd McShay, ESPN's draft analyst, re- released his latest mock. His Hutchinson's like new one. mock. What Hutchinson is one. Hutchinson is one. Wow. So he's um, so the according to ESPN, the new projected number one overall pick. Don't buy that for a second. Um, I don't buy that for a second. But do you, do you have a consensus top five, top ten guy in the front seven? And you just run through a team that goes to the college football playoff, hands them their only loss of the year. I don't want to say single handedly, but he was by far the most important and the best player on the field that day. Oh, so yeah. I just, I leaving him off of that Heisman finalist when he's averaging six yards a carry, that strikes me as very wrong. Yeah, I agree. But I think, I think, and I wouldn't take anything away from the four finalists. No, but you can have but five. But you can have five. Yeah. Because, yeah, I, I feel like they did Kenneth Walker pretty wrong there. I mean, Gus Johnson, that call in Mississippi. That he was the, at that point in time, he was the favorite. My favorite. He was. And I don't feel he's done enough to other than his team getting embarrassed by Ohio State. Not necessarily him. I don't feel he's done anything to, to lose his spot. Tough to run the ball when you're down 14 nothing like that. Yeah. And then, like, every time you touch the ball off on offense, you're down another touchdown. Yeah. So, uh, can't really put that one on him. But... Yeah, leaving him off just strikes me as really wrong. So, uh, anyway, um, there's a segment that we'd like to do here. Uh, no, should we start this first or give, like, five minutes for Villanova sports? Oh, uh, um, yeah, let's do five Five, five minute breakdown. Villanova. 
Yeah, well, y- yours is Villanova related, I know. So, but oh, uh, is it? Oh, yeah. Just uh, just uh, really quickly, uh, just want to talk about uh, Villanova football big home win against Holy Cross. Yeah, and there was and a huge show out for that. Huge, too. Uh, like actual, like legitimate hostile environment. I was shocked. Yep. Um, it was. I was there. It was a great. It was great game. Um, got a little got a little nerve wracking there at the end, but uh, found a way to pull out a win, and uh, due to an upset. On their side of the bracket, they're going to actually uh, host another game. They're going to host uh, South Dakota State yep. uh, this Saturday at 2 o'clock. I told you to be careful of those Dakota teams the Dakota in, in teams the FCS. Dakota teams FCS play, man. Yep. So it should be a good game should be a good coming game. this Saturday. Uh, yeah, chance, like, uh, I know that like, I'm glad they got the turnout they deserved. Uh, the football team gets no respect at this school, and they have a chance to be a top-four FCS team yep. uh, with a win on Saturday. So congratulations to them on what they've accomplished so far, and I think the hopefully the best is still still yet to come. Um, not a very eventful week for Villanova basketball; just absolutely running St. Joe's out of the gymnasium on the, pavil- yeah. the pavilion. I mean, the Big Five team. isn't a competition anymore. No, it's it's Vill- it's who's coming in second. Um, the atmosphere I was at the game was a lot more testy than I would have thought. Um, what do you mean by testy? So um, there was a St. Joe's fan. That unfurled like um, like a fifty foot banner. Yeah. Oh, the rivalry like, is the alive. rivalry is real. So there the were there were Joe's alive. fans. There's like a pocket, and they were like screaming and like cursing at the Villanova kids, and like the Villanova kids are giving it right back to them. But there was a, a guy, uh, two guys who had like this big like frat style like poster. It was like like probably thirty feet long, and it's yeah, like, like a bed sheet kind of banner. Yeah, like a bed sheet kind of banner. It said uh, Villanova. Students can't storm the court without tripping, which is really funny. Hmm. But, um, yeah, yeah, I'll give them that. So, like, as soon as they unfurled it, behind the secondary student section, the one, um, like, not, not the big main one, the one on the other side, um, someone just ran up and, like, ripped it in half in, like, literally five seconds. Uh, yeah. So it was. <laughs> no, but that got the place going. That got that got the students because going. Because I I originally didn't see what was happening yeah, because I, I was be, my you, back I can was tell you were like it was like right right yeah it was right above us and above where you were happening. I I was off to the side, so I had like a pretty good view. And like that, and uh, Villanova absolutely dominated the game. All five, st- all five starters scored in double figures. Jordan Longino, I believe, scored his first points. I know he scored, but I don't know if he had scored before that. I think he might have scored in the, in the first game. In the Mount Saint Mary's yeah. game. Okay, well, he's scored for the first time in a while. But he'll he'll be good. He'll be good. He's developing. Uh, I just I mentioned it several times, but the athlete that Brandon Slater has become, it, just beyond the player, and he's. His skill, his skill, especially his shot, has really developed. But the athlete that he has become is unrecognizable from the freshman that walked in here three years ago. Um, oh, yeah. Explosive as they come, great vertical leaping, fast dives, tough nose, hard to the basketball. Just, um, I, I think he has another year of eligibility. He but, does. Um, Everyone does with the, yeah, co- with the COVID. Another year of eligibility. I think he'll be playing in the NBA. I don't know when, but oh. I that is that is not something I would have said when I first saw him. I think he has developed into an NBA talent. He's shooting forty seven percent from yep. three. Yeah, he's averaging fourteen points a game, forty seven percent from three, and eighty three percent from the free throw line, sixty one percent from the field. Yep. he's playing really well. Yeah, he's filled where Jerry left yeah, he's a hole. Argue, yeah, he is. Uh, I mean, you can make an argument. He's been the best player on the team this year. He's been since Gillespie's been really solid. So, Gillespie's been really solid too. They're absolutely right, but he's definitely overtaken Jermaine. Justin Moore has been kind of inconsistent this year. I think he's kind of so, he's so far he might have, he's might have solidified himself as the second option. And uh, 
Yeah, he's second in points, Justin I, Moore. Yeah. We we all said in the offseason, this is the guy, this is the X Factor, and he has been the yeah, X Factor. Yeah, Slater, definitely. Um, so far, he's been electric. And Eric Dixon also has um, really improved uh, just so much. He's a legitimate post threat now. Um, he's a guy who's been kind of tentative down there uh, in the past, but he's definitely gotten a lot more aggressive, and it's really helped the team um, being able to get some easy points under the basket and help create space for shooters on the perimeter. And uh, he's been knocking down some threes, too. So uh, the, the development of those has been really impressive. So, uh, yeah, one more thing, college basketball. Um, Gonzaga, um, Alabama taking down Gonzaga in a day where most people probably focused on Alabama's football team. Yeah. But um, really impressive performance all around, led by the former Villanova player Javon Quinterly. Um Alabama's a really good team. Uh, I was... I wasn't shocked that Bama won. I was, and I know the game was a little closer than the scoreline final score said, but it was by a decent margin that Alabama won. So, definitely a team to look out for in both in SEC conference play and in um, come March time. They'll be a. They obviously made a run to the Elite Eight last year, and I think they're uh, poised to be a threat again in March. It was the first time I think in the history of the AP poll that a school beat in both football and basketball a top five team. So, oh, that's funny. That's cool. Very impressive. Yeah, that's and then cool. great day to be in Alabama. One last right. thing, we've got uh, Syracuse yeah, tomorrow. Syracuse tomorrow. Yep. The Cole Swider return game. No Cole loss. Swider no loss. I just went out. Went out non-conference. Please. Yeah. yeah, and I didn't know there was a team like less, less deep than we were. Like, in 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 the you know, but they've got but they've got five players right now, and they're all over twelve. And the next closest guy has played one game, and the average is three. Jeez. So is Cole Swider one of the people that play? Does he play there? Cole Swider, yeah, he's averaging thirteen, but he's shooting twenty eight and a half percent from three, which <laughs> oh is a, a huge the fall off from the well. That yeah. was the one thing he did well. That was the one thing he did well. Yeah, watching him try and play post defense is some form of Orwellian torture. But uh, <laughs> uh, before we get to rants, uh, that's what we'll close the show with. Um, Absolutely massive game in Waco, Texas, this Sunday, three o'clock. Uh, Villanova taking on Baylor. Uh, obviously, the team that knocked them out of the tournament last year. Um, Baylor's ranked two currently, but this is not the same Baylor team. They uh, lost most of their best players to the NBA or to graduation, and uh, Villanova is a much much healthier team. Uh, I was I picked UCLA when Villanova went to play UCLA. I wasn't too confident about Purdue. I'm confident this time. I'm confident that Villanova is going to go down there and they're going to come out with a win. That I don't know what it is, but there's no quantifiable thing with this. But I just feel that every time Villanova goes down to Texas, they play their best basketball in the great state of 100% Texas. 100% true. So I, on the road, I going to be a tough environment for sure. I just I really like how and I, like I, I obviously in fear of competition, but just like the way Villanova played. On Saturday, Saturday is just beautiful, and uh, I think they're going to come out with a win. A win they desperately. Uh, I know for a non-conference December game, this is as big as it gets, because if they lose this game, the knock on Villanova and Selection Sunday will be they had three chances against top teams, they lost all three. So if Villanova wants to contend for a one seed, and they certainly have the talent to do it. They got to win. To, they got to win Sunday. I'm not feeling too good about Sunday. I don't like the way Villanova is playing right now. I don't like their approach to the season. Not playing enough guys. This is not This is not Butler. This is Baylor. This is the defending national champs. They're going to have size. They're going to have athletes. They're going to be deep. 
and if Villanova goes in with Chris Archidiakono, they're going to get smoked. <laughs> so I don't know. They gotta they gotta switch it up. We'll get into it later on in the rant, but yeah, yeah. I'm not. Wait, I'm that's your rant, so we'll get yeah. there. Um, we should start with you, Nick, yeah, though. Start with it's, me. Yeah, I think because yours is probably the biggest news most that germane. we've left out most, so far. The most germane. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Dan, your I. One more thing about Nova. I think Colin and uh, I think it's Gillespie and Justin Moore both missing that last game. Have I did Moore play? Yeah, yeah Moore did. He was hurt. He was hurt, but he okay. Neither healthy. Gillespie didn't play. I think they're both going to have big chips on their shoulders. Yeah, I agree. Uh, experienced guys, champions, competitors. Um, I, I think they're going to have something to prove, and I think they're going to come out. I think Justin Moore is finally going to find a shot, and he's going to have a big game and be a big reason why they win. Hope you're but, um, so there's a segment we like to do here. Long-time listeners know rants. Just uh, give each one of us a couple minutes to just rant about something in the sports world that we're really angry about. Uh, John wants me to go first. I'm happy to go first. Um, if you're a baseball fan, unless you live under a rock, you uh, you know that uh, the MLB has entered into a lockout effective Wednesday. Experts have seen this coming for a long time. Um, they're not expected to miss any regular season games, although some spring training might be in jeopardy. And uh, just this lockout just upsets me so much. Because in a time where your sport is in danger, your sport is in danger of losing out so much of its audience to basketball and how college sports are going to develop a lot more than they have been in recent years with all these NIL agreements, keeping talent in college longer. There's even more competition for your sport. And I know that no one really plays in the summertime while you're playing, but your postseason is during the busiest sports time of the year. And you are going to lose viewership. And that it's a major problem. And in a time where you're dealing with that and everything else surrounding baseball right now, you can't even agree to a situation where you, you're out on the field playing you're, or allowed to negotiate with free agents. And I'm glad this is happening now, not during the season. But this is, uh, in, in a more macro perspective, these are millionaires squabbling over millions of dollars um, in horrible economic times when fans have stood by the league and kept them running and kept going to games and supporting their teams and, uh, and and being fans. And like I said, these are millionaires squabbling over millions of dollars. And neither side is in the right. I, I want to get that clear. Neither side is in the right. Because the owner ownership side, the, the main issue, for those of you who don't know, the main issue is about service time. Uh, to simplify it, MLB teams for a long time have manipulated service time and the service time requirements to become a free agent and make money are really long and arduous. And now with teams switching more to analytics, they don't want to pay mid, uh, they don't want to pay free agents, mid tier free agents especially. Superstars are still getting paid, but second and third tier free agents are just not getting paid because it doesn't really make sense to pay them. So neither side is in the right here. Ownership is clearly manipulating service time in an unfair way to keep people under club control and paying them less for longer. And the the promise has always been, we'll pay you less now, but when you're free agent, you get paid more, and that's gone. But with that said, the players. Union caused a lockout, a de facto lockout last year in the COVID year, much longer than was necessary. Much, much, much longer through really horrible faith negotiating. Um, playing last year didn't make a whole lot of economic sense, but ownership still desperately wanted to play, and the players really dragged their feet and were not at all receptive to the evolved circumstances around COVID. And there's absolutely no reason for ownership to trust the players, but uh, like, the, this is millionaires squabbling over a couple hundred thousand dollars. 
and leaving the fans who have supported them forever out to rot in the cold, in the snow, when you're destroying some of the best momentum your sport has ever had. You have the home. You have a a team sneaking in the playoffs, upset the best team in the league, the, the Braves. Best the Braves upset the Dodgers, the best team in the league, make it to the World Series. On the other side, you have the supervillain Astros exercising some of their demons, proving off some of their haters. And then you have the heroes take down the villains in the championship, win it all. Freddie Freeman, longtime veteran, deserves it. Couldn't have scripted it better for baseball if you had tried. Um, and you're just absolutely, and you have one of the best free agent classes you have in a while, some of the best shortstop, the best shortstop market ever. Great starting pitchers, and you're destroying that momentum because both of you guys are so damn greedy. And it, 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 it just infuriates me to no end. Yeah, you know what? I totally agree with you. And I think, and if we get to my rant, I know we're getting a little bit low on time, and mine's, I would say, is like no, least priority. Well, I'll, I'll say it now. I'll, I'll kind of go off your momentum and say that a big part of this is Commissioner Rob Manfred and nobody respecting him. The owners don't respect him. The players don't respect him. The fans don't respect him. And I don't think he's doing anything good for the t- for the league. I mean, everyone's just squabbling, complaining, and he's just kind of sitting back there issuing his, you know, yearly off-season rule change that he thinks is going to change the complete fabric of the sport, which just is completely not true. And what I was going to go into with my rant, and I'll try to keep it kind of short just to, so we can fit everything in here, is, you know, I, I've, I go on social media every so often just to see how people react to things. And when news came out about the MLB locking down, like everyone was obviously upset who's a baseball fan, but I've also seen an equal amount of complaints saying, who cares? Baseball's boring. Doesn't matter. Why do people watch this anyway? Why is this news? And I just want to say that part of this is the MLB's fault. Part of this is society's fault, which I guess is more of a topic for a, a, a podcast or a radio show with a different point of view. But I think, People need to sit down and realize that not everything should be just like basketball where you sit and watch ball go to one end of the court, ball go to the other end, period. And and, and that's just it. Like there, I'm sure there is value in that, but there, you have to learn to appreciate the other sports that you have to think about a little bit more. Football, for example. Um, people don't think of football as a slow and boring sport just because of, you know, it's so much more action-packed than baseball. So much more is going on throughout the game than than you would see in baseball. But the reality is, the percent I have statistics up here. The percent of action during a football game is five percent of the time of the game, and baseball is ten percent. So you can't really honestly make that argument. Um. So I think where that comes starts to come into play is baseball and it marketing itself. Baseball markets itself, as I've seen so far, is more of like. You know, oh, this guy can hit, hit hit a ton of home runs. This guy pitches and throws 120 miles an hour. But, you know, that is definitely a part of the game that happens, but it's not the main point of the game. Whereas football sells themselves on athleticism, speed, accuracy, etc., which is what you see most of the time. But in baseball, you don't see a home run most of the time. You're lucky if you see, you know, two of them a game. So I think that a big shift needs to happen. You've got two of the most entertaining players in the league and Mike Trout and Shohei Otani playing down for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. And I bet half this country doesn't even know that the Angels are a team. So something's got to change there. And I'm, I'm just going to leave it at that since we need to get out of here in a little bit. Yep. So, Danny, Danny it's ahead. all you. All right. Uh, I just want to focus on 
perception around Jay Wright on Villanova's campus. Jay Wright is a great coach, might even be the best in the country, but I feel like way too many students think that Jay Wright can walk on water and that he can't be criticized and that if he gets criticized, you're called a moron and what are you saying? It's on the players. But Jay Wright, I feel so far this year, uh, deserves some criticism for the two losses. And if he doesn't change anything, there will be more to come in the future against good teams. Jay Wright's got to play more than six or seven guys. You don't recruit freshmen. People say, oh my gosh, if Jay Wright had Duke's talent and all these five stars. Well, you do. They're sitting on the bench. So Jay Wright and Coach Krzyzewski have different philosophies. Coach Krzyzewski's, we're going to get freshmen. We're going to play them now. We're going to get better as the year goes on because in March, we're going to have our talented freshmen ready to roll, experienced, ready to compete in the tournament. Jay Wright is more I want to get two, three, four-year guys, develop them, attitude, get in the system, all this, blah, blah, blah. And I think both are equally good strategies that they have both proven can be effective in winning national championships. But ultimately, as it relates to the 2021 Villanova men's basketball team, Chris Archidiakono needs to get off the floor. Why is he playing? I don't understand it. I, I don't understand why he's a scholarship. You're trying, I mean, like, be honest with yourself. Chris Archidiakono against Duke. Come, what are we doing here? Like, he should not be on the floor. Why is he playing? If, if you're going to get him a couple minutes a game, fine. But I want that, I, I mean a couple. Get him in for two, three, just to give Gillespie a rest. But you got it. Jordan Longino. When is Brian Antoine coming back? The What's the other freshman's name? The the number 22. The big, with the... Not on not, 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 not not Get him in the game. I, Trey Patterson. Get, they need to play. The, you, they're not going to get better. The team is not going to get better if you don't play the freshmen, you don't play the sophomores. Win in March. Not, don't worry about November. No March in no arch in March. That should be our philosophy. No <laughs> arch in March. Not a lot. Not a lot. Not a lot. That is crazy. In the, in the, the arch out of March. In the NCAA tournament, I do not want to see Chris Archiakino play. If we're in the Sweet 16 game against <laughs> Baylor and they're full court pressing, I don't want Chris Arch in the game. Please play the freshman. I Brian Antoine was the highest recruiter, second highest recruit in the history of Villanova basketball, and so far through three years has done nothing. He's hurt. I get it. Once he comes back, all gas, no brakes. Get him going because I can't watch Chris Arch anymore. Caleb Daniels is barely even watchable. He's transferred from Tulane. Get it. Mid-major school, whatever. But he's playing major minutes. You got, so far, really a core four of Gillespie, Moore, Samuels, and Slater. I feel like get some of these freshmen in the game, and then you can really compete because I swear to God, if it's Baylor and we got a 10-point lead with eight minutes left and then start missing free throws and turning the ball over and score three points the last eight minutes of the game, I'm going to I'm gonna be very upset because that's what happened. The UCLA loss, that's what happened to the Purdue loss, and I don't want it to happen again. Jay Wright, play the freshman. All right. Uh, what better way to celebrate the holiday season than with feelings of anger and rage? <laughs> uh, but uh, that's, uh, we're really out of time here today, folks. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, we should be back next week, a little tentative, but if this is our last show of the semester, we'll definitely be back next semester. I just want to thank you uh, for listening. Uh, we should be back next week, but uh, finals time, you know how it is. But uh, for Danny, John, Nick, Game Time Sports, where it's always game time. We'll see you again real soon.